You are now listening to the Keys and Anklets podcast, your one-stop source for frank and honest information about the hot wife and cuckold lifestyle. You can find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio, or you can head to www.keysandanklets.com and subscribe right from the website. Now, let's get to the good stuff with the host who separates fact from fiction, Michael C. Hello, everybody. It's your host, Michael C., back with another episode of the Keys and Anklets podcast. And on this podcast, we strive to separate fact from fiction as it pertains to the uh, hot wife, cuckold, and also the the BBC lifestyle thrown in for good measure. Now, today I have with me a a very exciting couple. I've I've been talking to them for a while. I actually had the pleasure of of meeting them face-to-face at uh, Splash Mocha in Houston a few months ago. And... Uh, if you went there and you hear their voices and, and you remember who they were, then you'll know what I mean when they say they, they are a very interesting pair. They bring a lot of energy uh, to the room. So today I have with me Betty and Brian. Won't you guys say hi? Hello. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I guess a little a background information. Uh, how long have you guys known each other? Oh, boy. Since 1993. Oh, yeah. It has been that long. Yeah. It's when we first met each other. Okay. And how long have you been married? Oh, God. I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we became a couple Let's in see. 97. See, we were together for a long time before we got married. Mm-hmm. So that's why I never remember. How long has it been? Well, it's been since 2006. So, uh, boy, you're going on... 16 long years. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> okay. And as far as the lifestyle is concerned, what type of couple are you guys in the stag vixen lane? Are you in the cuckold vein like lane? Like what, where on the spectrum would you say you guys are? Just to give my listeners an idea. Well, we identify as stag and vixen probably 95% of the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. And uh, although there is some cuckold play that we both enjoy. Um, did a little bit of that today. Yeah, we did a little bit of that today. And I'd like spicing things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so uh, Betty, I want to start with you. And this is one of the you know, things that I really enjoy about uh, talking to couples and understanding their journey is there are always three journeys. You know, there's yours before you met Brian, there's Brian's before he met you, and then there's the journey that you both got on once you became a couple. So I'm Mm -hmm. just curious to hear what things were like for you prior to becoming a couple, meaning were you pretty much just straight lace, straight vanilla, or did you always have your eye kind of in some kind of kink? Like, how would you describe what your perception, history, experience was from a sexual standpoint? prior to get becoming a couple with Brian? Yeah, so I think the best way to put it is I've always been really hypersexual, but also I had a great deal of shame that went along with it. Um, I felt like there wasn't, I identified as mostly like vanilla, straight-laced. I wasn't into girls. I wasn't into, you know, multiple guys. I wasn't into, I wouldn't even admit to masturbating for a long time. Um, you know, so, uh, I think part of that was how I was brought up 
and just my perception of how I was supposed to behave. Um, so that was pretty much it. And Brian always said uh, when we were dating, you know, life is like a buffet. You know, sex should be like that, too, where you can just go sit down, try some of this, try some of that, try some of that. And it always kind of intimidated me for a long time. Like I had a lot of growth um, that I needed to go through. That was kind of like before Brian there. So uh, you, you kind of touched on something. And I know that, you know, it's something that as a community we're doing everything we can to make that transition um, easier. But you spoke about the shame uh, surrounding it. For you in your life, where was that, like what direction was that coming from? Was it all internal or were there like external forces kind of at play with that as well? Uh, like I said, I think it was my upbringing too. Uh, my mom was raised um very religious she almost became a nun at one point in her life oh wow um, so she always had this religious aspect um around her although she didn't enforce it we did go to church but um maybe i just subconsciously picked up on that or um for me maybe it was I need to be the good girl and good girls don't behave that way. Mm -hmm. um, or my perception of what sex was supposed to be like, because my parents were always very affectionate too, and they still are. And they always believe, you know, one woman, one man, that's how it should be. And that is a holy union and you don't go anywhere else once you find your person. So I think that just kind of got ingrained in me growing up. Okay. Now shift gears a little bit to you, Brian. What was your history views, the path that you were walking prior to, 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 to meeting Betty? What were your experiences like? Oh, boy. It seems like we probably need a whole episode for <laughs> right? that. Not necessarily... <laughs> But I'll say not necessarily in the most exciting way, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I kind of came out of a pretty traumatized, low self-esteem youth. And, um, you know, I, I had some things that led to my being sort of treated really poorly by, by women when I was uh, in junior high and high school. And then um, as we find out, as we really reflect and look back, when the uh, voices of your tormentors go silent, it's amazing how long you'll keep repeating and echoing what they said and then magnify it in your own head. And so by the time I hit my 20s, my early 20s, I had this overwhelming feeling of unworthiness. Yet at the same time, I'd you know seen and read and done some stuff that fascinated me about sex. And I, I was a virgin until I was 20. Mm -hmm. And I was not a happy virgin until I was 20. Believe me, I was pretty angry at the whole world for that. So you were trying. To just... I, I, you know what? I wasn't even, I didn't have enough courage to try because I didn't think that um, uh, I was attractive enough for anyone to um, acknowledge. And you know, of all places, what opened my mind and my eyes to sexuality uh, in most ways was um, way back in the early 90s, there was this uh, phenomenon called the BBS phenomenon. 
funny how that works, but uh, it's um, text based computer connections with people all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I was in college and I made use of that and I started connecting with a number of women who just sort of really fell. I wouldn't say fell in love, but were intoxicated by what I had to say, my prose and my my personality and then my sexual imagination. And then we there was this thing called sexting that happened long before cell phones. Mm -hmm. And so I really flexed my imagination on that and learned a lot about sex through sexting and the uh, uh, feedback and communication I got from a number of these women who I formed these very close bonds with. you know, I, eventually, you know, things came to an end and lost track. And then, you know, glory be when I was in my 20s, uh, I finally lost my virginity and got to have sex for the first time because I, I was convinced I'd die a virgin. I mean, there was some really, really, really negative um, self-talk that had been ingrained that I carried with me for a long time uh, that I'm still in the process of shedding because, you know, it's just one of those things where right. you grow. But Regardless, you know, once I got a taste of it, I really, really liked it. <laughs> um, I, I had, you know, I, I was convinced that I would never get married when uh, even at a young age. I mean, at age nine, I was telling people I would never have children and they'd laugh about it. And then I would sit there with a very serious look in my face and I would articulate with multiple points why I would, did not want children. Um, and which would horrify most adults because this is not how most kids talked. Um, I also saw a lot of divorce and um, dysfunctional um, relationships growing up. And so I was convinced that marriage was just a great way to screw up a relationship. And uh, as, as Betty will tell you, it took a long time for us to, to tie the noose. I mean, uh, tie the yeah, ring far, far. Uh, for, for getting married because I, I just felt that marriage was simply the first step towards a divorce because I'd seen so very much of it growing up. Um, my parents stayed together, but, you know, it, I was the oldest of six and they ran a business and there was always uh, a lot of um, uh, stress for running a business. And then they were very, very Catholic. And so sex was kind of a taboo subject. I mean, even my mother used to describe our 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 parts as unclean. So you don't want to touch them and you certainly don't want to put your mouth near them and, and so on and so forth. And so I had some really messed up um, attitudes about sex. with an interesting predicate that in my family, like my uncles and my grandfather's generations, they were freaks. They would frequent orgies and go to all kinds of stuff. They were sex fiends. So it runs in the family and it runs <laughs> in the blood. <laughs> the, the apple doesn't far fall from the tree. It, it it doesn't. And so, you know, thankfully a number of these, you know, these, these ladies, even if they, though they never met me, saw something that they really thought was beautiful and gave me a great deal of their time and wisdom. And so when I finally was able to unleash myself and have sex, um, these these women that I was, you know, you know, playing with when uh, I was uh, a lot younger in my you know early 20s, they had no idea what hit them because I'd spent so much time thinking about it that I'd become I became good at it uh, in, in, in a number of ways before I even got a chance to put my hands on a woman. And so I, I really started developing some some kinky thoughts about stuff that I was desiring. You know, I got into sex toys and I had a collection even before I had a you know a significant girlfriend. I enjoyed the idea of a, a variety of you know, very kinky stuff and you know group sex and you know or multiple partners anyway, not necessarily group sex, and and so on. And so when I got into a relationship with um, with Betty. Um, 
I, I kind of came in with a, a lot of things that I really wanted to try, but there was going to be a, it's not even like I concluded that there was going to be a long road before we could. I, I never knew if we were going to be able to. And, and some things uh, I just simply told myself that was never going to happen. So don't even bring it up. But it was there in the back of my head and it would come out every now and again when we were talking dirty or when we were experimenting with sex toys. And so I kind of came in to the relationship pretty revved up to be just a complete kinky bastard. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so you pretty much, she was the first relationship you had where you were able to completely expose that side of yourself. I, I that, that sounds very, yeah, that sounds accurate. I mean, I'd had some discussions with women that I played with, but they were like very short-term things where during pillow talk, we we're talking about, you know, funky sexy stuff that we were into but it was one of those things where um i didn't have many long-term girlfriends and so back in the <laughs> back in the 90s um when uh we got together you know betty was my first real long-term girlfriend and it took some time for me to start opening up about a number of the kinky ideas that i'd had because it was just one of those things where i never heard anything from her so i assumed it wasn't something on her mind and I'm, right. I'm definitely a person where if you're not talking about it you're not thinking about it and so if you never bring it up that means it's never on your mind yeah we're still working on that <laughs> okay so let me ask you this i'm a, a, a fellow kinky person and, and much like you a lot of my youth was spent mulling over things and thinking about things just because there wasn't a lot of opportunity um so I can, that's something that I can definitely uh, relate to. But what I'm curious is there's two different, almost like two different categories. Like kinky, you know, it's, it's kinky, but it's the stuff that you're doing with the same person. Hey, do this to me. Let me do this to you. Let's do this together. Like there's a lot of that. It's different when you start getting into the realm of, hey, the idea of seeing my partner in the arms of somebody else excites me. First of all, was that, did it pop into your head first or her head first? And if it did, and when I say you, I'm talking about Brian. And if it did pop into your head first, how long did it swim around in there before you felt comfortable and confident enough to share it with Betty? Cause like I said, you know, wanting to spank somebody, wanting to, you know, do anal or, water sports or like any of those kinds of kinks, it's in a different category than wanting to bring a, a third person in, into the mix, especially when it, it kind of goes beyond what the typical idea of a threesome is. Usually if a girl says, yeah, my boyfriend asked me to do a threesome, the majority of the people are going to think he meant two women, you know. <laughs> um, so the idea that it was – you know, you being turned on by the thought of her being with someone is when did, when did that pop into your head? Did you think about it before you met her? Was that something that you were aware of or did it manifest itself after you guys got together? I think it manifested afterward. Uh, I mean, I was, I'd seen my fair share of porn and I'd seen, um, you know, like videos of two men taking on a girl and um, I was fascinated by it in a variety of ways. I just, it, it appealed to me something very viscerally 
uh, I think the biggest thing that appealed to me about it was I just loved, at least in 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 the videos that I had that were I'd we'd consider good, I, I loved how sort of overwhelmed with 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 pleasure and ecstasy the woman was. Mm-hmm. You know, despite the fact I'd carried some some issues of you know like longing and resentment because I felt like I'd missed out and I'd missed my chance for a lot of things. Um, I, I was still very, very centric on I really enjoy bringing pleasure and experience and an experience. Um, a number of the, the girls that I had dated for even a short period of time came back to me even years later and said that I was kind of a turning point in their lives because after the, the attention I'd given them both sexually and just as far as um, acknowledging them, they some of them really took it as a, a turning point in their lives and realizing that they were worth it. And so I'd, I'd done something I wasn't even necessarily realizing I was doing. And these are things that are coming to light even now in my in my 40s. But um, I was all about the ideas. And I really, really cherished the idea of, of giving women just amazing, amazing pleasure. And it wasn't even like a giving thing where I didn't feel like I was getting my part because I got a lot of nourishment, both intellectually, emotionally, psychically, call it what you will. Um, but in in giving that and being a part of that, um, I got a heck of a lot of nourishment from that. So it was something that was there uh, with regard to, again, the whole threesome thing, even with, with two guys on a girl. Um, it wasn't until I got into my mid-ish 20s that it really started to appeal to me with the idea of like, oh, I'm really hot to trot for um, seeing her. And she wasn't my wife at that point, but seeing her um, getting the attention of, of you know another good-looking guy, and I don't even have to be involved, um, which did happen. Um, <laughs> not a whole heck of a lot. I mean, okay, we got together in 97, and I think I can pinpoint this the year 2003 when we had our first experience uh, where that occurred. Okay, and, so uh, let me pause you right there. Uh, for you, Betty, um, taking into account the way that you were kind of raised and you spoke on the circumstances and, and you know, the different things that, that you dealt with, I'm just kind of curious, when he initially brings this up to you you know that this is something that he's interested in because i know and i you know i ask a lot of wives this question you know society tells us that you know and shows us that men are very jealous you know we we get mad if another guy even looks at our woman you know and our excuse is well i i get that way because i love you i get that way because i care about you and and so women start to believe, okay, jealousy equals love. And so I'm always curious when you learn that this is something that he's thought about, even if it was for a fleeting moment, did you ever have those moments where it was like, well, wait a minute, how much could you love me if you want to see me with somebody else? Or did you get it right away? Um, I don't think I really had those issues. I think I was dealing with my own internal monologue still, you know, when he brought it up to me, like, I still wasn't comfortable with the situation. Like, we would get into the bedroom and we would talk dirty and he would use a dildo on me while he's fucking me or, you know, doing all this and then talking about having a threesome and, you know, all the attention and it's hot in the moment. And then Afterwards, I'm like, 
oh, that's too much. Like, I don't want to deal with somebody else's crap. I don't want to, you know, have the complications of another person. It's like, I want something that I can put in a box, pull it out when I want to play with it and put it away when I'm done, you know, and that never really seemed like it was something that was possible because to me, again, I was still trying to separate that love and sex in my brain. Um, and that took a really long time for me, I think. To separate, yeah, to, se to separate, it took you a long time, you say, to separate the, the love from the sex? Yeah. So, Brian, you had mentioned something that uh, you, were, you were mentioning a time uh, when your first uh, experience happened. Was that a her with another guy? Was it you guys playing with another couple? Like, what was the makeup of that of that first experience? Boy, uh, <laughs> we, we want to incriminate. So he's not going to listen to this podcast. So we're not. Just so. call him D. Call him D. Let's call him D. Well, um, well, the way it worked is that we uh, we owned a shop at a festival, and wouldn't you know it? There's this young handsome muscular italian guy with a charming smile that he and my wife just had really really great chemistry he was a sweetheart he was a dumbass and he made her laugh and he had big starry moon eyes for her and she had a wicked little grin for him and so frankly we hadn't been Pushing, I hadn't been pushing the idea of threesomes or anything on her particularly hard. But you got it in my brain. But it, it was, it, the seeds were planted. And so um, we uh, hired him. He was <laughs> 10 years younger than her at the tender age of 18 years old and very eager. And, uh, well, wouldn't you know, um, he was sleeping over in our shop. On the floor. Overnights on the floor. And one night she ended up on the floor with him and smooching ensued. And, <laughs> and then uh, once that seal was broken, she wanted more than just a nibble. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly she was having sex with her, uh, her first guy other than me in quite some time. Okay. Just to, to, just to clear up something, cause I know my listeners are listening and that part probably took them aback a little bit. When you say it hired, you mean in your shop, like for yeah, your, for was... for your business. Like he wasn't. This wasn't like a gigolo type situation. Yes, correct. <laughs> where correct. you he... you know where you hired him to you know to take care of your lady. It was you, no, you... he wasn't employee. Okay. He wasn't employee. <laughs> no, I, I just want to. I just yeah, I just want to make sure that my listeners are because I'm sure that probably caught him off guard. Like, well, wait a minute, wait, wait. He hired he hired him for what? <laughs> <laughs> You know, so now, so that was obviously something that was, it was not planned. You did, you guys didn't seek this out. It's just kind of, you know, a culmination of, of certain events. And like you said, you know, his personality, the way, you know, he connected with her and it, and it happened. Um, did it happen in front of you? Like, oh, yeah. like, yes. like, like, like the very first moments of it, like, was it all in front of you? Oh yeah, yes. uh, I was I was uh, laying in the bed, and then she decided she was going to relocate to the floor where his sleeping bag was, and decided that was the most comfortable place to be. Now that I'm... night, I just smooched on him. Okay, okay. I was just kissing him. 
I'm just nothing else happened at it. I'm just curious though, because you say he was a younger guy. Was he was he like like did you have to calm him down from like like was he scared like yo your husband is right there <laughs> you know like I I need this job you know like hey oh. <laughs> like how like how did you let him know that this was okay because he's just in there to sleep right like I don't it's I don't think that this was part of his grand plan you know I think it was understood uh, it was one of those things where there was just a really great chemistry that built between the three of us because to this day we're very dear friends he's like my yeah. brother. Oh, fantastic. I always love yeah. hearing that. And uh, honestly, we don't even play anymore, but we're still all really good friends and we're very affectionate. You know, we got each other's backs and so, he's a great, great guy. So one of the things that I always talk about is, you know, as 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 guys who, you know, we're turned on by the idea of our woman being with another man. But until it actually happens, it's just a thought in our head. We 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 hope that we react to it in a positive way. But deep down inside, we really don't know because we've never actually been in that situation. So my question for you, Brian, is from the moment it started happening, did you know right away, like, oh, yeah, I'm in? Like, I, I, I like. Did you like it from the very first moment, or were there were there naturally some feelings of, ooh, do I really want to, like, this is happening? Do I want to stop it? Do I want to let it keep going? Like, what do you remember feeling in that moment? Oh, I remember it quite well. I I had like this freaky, nearly photographic memory, except for the except for the milk is in the refrigerator. Apparently, <laughs> my wife points out. <laughs> um, in that instant, I mean, it solidified my mind. In my mind, I, my sexuality is an absolute freak show because I was all about it, absolutely all about it, and 100% supportive, uh, and wanted to see where it would go. And, and I guess we're still on that journey, frankly. But uh, even in that very moment, I was nothing but big, stupid smile, happy, genuinely excited, and. I was even wondering to myself, how am I going to feel about where this goes? Because eventually it went from smooching on the floor and really making out like crazy to the following weekend when we didn't have anyone else in the shop with us as employees. Um, she was banging him. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was banging both of you. Yeah, you were banging both of <laughs> So it's just, um, you were definitely the center of attention. And so it was steps and in increments where I, w- I was indeed checking in with myself and finding out, I love this. I can't get enough of this. Now, up to that point, had you ever known anyone? Because I know you, I know we were talking earlier, and and you mentioned earlier about you know your uncle and your grandfather's. But at this time in your life, did you know that, or were you, did were you in your mind were you the only person you knew who was into this kind of thing? I'd heard family rumors that you know, like the older generation were into that. But I had not known anyone personally who was into any kind of, um, I guess, what we call freaky sex play. Right. Uh, I'd, heard, I'd heard about people doing it in college and so on and so forth. Um, and, and I guess, to be honest, in, in, in college, I had rather a negative reaction to that. Though when I really thought about the negative reaction, it was more out of the jealousy born out of um, they're, they're able to do this and I can't. And I'm unhappy about that. Uh, and so it wasn't any kind of... Uh, 
you know, Puritanism or I'm thinking, oh, well, that's horrible. People shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. No, 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 whatsoever. Um, but I never knew anyone personally who engaged in that. So I never, I, I never had anyone to really talk to about exploration or of, of sex in that regard. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and Betty, for you, um, you were just, it, so, it sounds like it was smooth sailing for you, like from the word go, is it was it actually that way or was there were there any kind of struggles for you or was your mindset like hey as long as he's good with it i'm fine with it like how did how was that all playing out for you uh it was it was good from the get-go uh brian and i tend to talk a lot mm -hmm. and you know after that first encounter where i was just smooching on d um you know, we went home for the whole week. We were home and we had a six hour drive there and a six hour drive back. So we were talking the whole time about it and uh, nothing came up and I was glowing. I loved the attention and I was good. And Brian was on the phone with Dee almost every day, just chit chatting, you mm -hmm. know, so they became very close very quickly. And that goes a long way for me, too you know, someone who can connect with my husband. Right. Then it makes it all that much better for me. Okay. So, yeah, so, I was good. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, I, I get that impression that it was like it was <laughs> you know, there was no struggle and it was like, okay, yeah, this is this is me. Like this this fits me. I like this. Um Yep. So I guess this is a multi-part question, which is how long when, okay, while you were with him, while he was the third, was he the only person that was the third? And if so, how long did he remain the third? I think it was three years. We were pretty um, exclusive, I think, for three years. Um, we had a couple of encounters with some unicorns during that time. And he had a couple of girls on the side that he was always playing with, um, but not me, but the boy she was playing. With. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he was getting his, we were getting ours on occasion. But for three years, it was like in the summertime. The fuck was on. Yeah, it was we on. Work our butts off all day, and then bang all night, and go and party at the uh, after hours stuff, and then lots and lots of sex. Yep. <laughs> so at what point did you guys discover that this is actually like a lifestyle like you know because this is this is different from swinging like we've all kind of been aware of swinging and and kind of seen how you know swingers navigate with a couple and hey we found another couple or, you know, we've heard stories about the, the couple that, that, you know, finds a bi woman and they play. But there really wasn't a lot of talk about the guy that wanted to find another guy to watch be with his woman. Like, that was kind of way in the background. So at what point did you guys start to learn that, hey, there's a lifestyle out there about this. Like, there are other people out there who are into this. There are places that we can go, uh, forums, chat rooms, whatever, where people who are specifically into this gather? 
Well, I'll tell you from the beginning, we just considered it swinging. So that's the avenue that we took for a long time where we would go to events uh, either locally, you know, mostly locally before we found out about, you know, the cruises and the takeovers and things like that. Um, but I think as far as finding out that this in particular was a lifestyle, it's only been pretty recent, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a recent phenomenon. And furthermore, our um, lifestyle involvement was some it was on again, off again, pretty much since uh, the early 2000s, where we would go um, years yeah. without any mm-hmm. without any experiences or even attempting experiences. And in fact, as we approached, I think, the year 2015, we were on the precipice of just abandoning the lifestyle just out of pure frustration because uh, we really couldn't find much that we felt we could connect with though Fr- we're also frustration with, with i say frustration with what exactly i think part of it is finding couples that we were both attracted to um or just I mean, how would you say it? Well, it's a combination of things. I I think part of it is that we hadn't really dug into the self-esteem journey we're on, where we're realizing how we were holding ourselves back. That's true. And unresolved issues from our teens and 20s or earlier that um, nag a lot of people. And and, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, when you get in the lifestyle, it brings back all of the stuff that tormented you in junior high and high school. And if it's unresolved, it will stay there and it will hold you back from your success. Um, but more importantly, from your success, because anyone can get laid if they put enough effort in. But your your happiness and your comfort and your self-confidence, which are all so very important, you haven't squared yourself with yourself. And so part of it is that we expressed, we experienced a lot of frustration in the lifestyle because we, we, we were not only not getting out of our own way, but we didn't even realize we were in our own way and we hadn't resolved a bunch of that. Mm-hmm. Secondary to that is that it did become difficult because we did see swinging in the traditional sense of, well, it's best case scenario to find couples. We sought out couples for, for two reasons. One is that we each wanted the other to have their candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we found that a lot of couples were disproportionate where you know, overwhelmingly you can find a lot of women who were very attractive, but we also found that overwhelmingly, at least in the area of the country we're in, uh, is, um, you know, the men, <laughs> they don't fit. They don't fit what, what my, what Betty likes. Yeah, she don't. likes people who are at least give half a care about their physical fitness. Right. Uh, you know, she's, you know, it's, it's like a lot of the profiles you see, you know, the woman's there, she's cute. She's, you know, 129 pounds or whatever. Uh, the guy's five foot 10, 280, and clearly has never lifted weights in his life. And so, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't want to sound altogether too judgy there, but that's not the kind of people that she wants to play with. Right. And so there was that, but the other part of it is that um, the reason that, you know, particular, <clears throat> Betty wanted to uh, focus on the couples is that um, she hadn't really embraced putting her, valuing what she wanted to get. Uh, she had also had some unresolved issues that she's still working through, but unresolved issues that led to her putting herself last yeah. when it came to contemplating lifestyle play. And I don't know if you want to elaborate on that. Oh, no, all. please do. Please do. Well, you know, just um, I was a young mother 
And I had always put my kids first and, you know, getting into a relationship with my ex-husband, um, always taking care of him and the house and the kids and, you know, all of that. I think I just didn't leave anything for myself. And that just kind of carried with me. And also, I think part of that was, honestly, I think it was kind of a, a protection for my own self-esteem, too. It's like, if I put myself out there and it doesn't work, then I can protect myself by... So avoiding trying. Avoiding <laughs> trying, yes. So I don't get hurt. Right. Um, Not even putting yourself out there. Correct. Or being too scared to even try. Like I would stop myself even before I started. And um, so that's that was a difficult hurdle. Very this, difficult. This has been kind of a it, it's been brought up several times uh, during this. And I know that there are people probably listening who, you know, who dealt with 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 similar issues. So I'm kind of curious to hear from both of you what your turning point was and and let me preface it by 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 saying this um as i said earlier i myself was a very insecure guy up until my my mid 20s and i know that like i was that guy that if a girl didn't like me the same way that i liked her my response was to try harder you know, um, the as, as much as I love them, I think that the worst thing ever kind of delivered to insecure people are romantic comedies. They're great movies, but not realistic at all. Because romantic comedies teach you, hey, if you're just persistent and you persevere, that person is going to wake <laughs> up one day and realize that you're the person of their dreams. You just have to be patient and stick it out. That shit doesn't work in real life. Not most of the time. Are there a few cases where relationships started that way? I'm sure there are. But for the most part, real life doesn't work that way. Like, if that spark isn't there, you can't manufacture it. And I was constantly butting my head up against those types of situations. And for me, my epiphany came when... I was in a situation where the roles were reversed. Like for the first time, it was somebody that really liked me who, for whatever reason, I just wasn't feeling her the same way. I didn't want her to feel bad. It wasn't that she wasn't a great person. You know, it's just that chemistry wasn't there. And I remember it, it hit me like a brick to the face. It was like, oh, I wonder if that's what those girls were trying to tell me. Because I would always take it personally. Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not good enough? You know, what can I fix? What, what can I do to be better? Like, that's the way I would always take it. So that was my epiphany moment. So I'm just curious for either one of you, was it a gradual thing that helped you get over? Or was it just like a sudden realization of something that put everything into its proper perspective for you? And Brian, you can go first. Oh boy. Well, you know, we, we, I've alluded to the whole self, I'm not alluded, I flat out said the whole self-esteem thing. Um, 
opposite of you, I would not try harder. I would give up really, really quickly because I'd convinced myself I wasn't worthy. I wasn't good enough. And I carried that with me too long. And so finally, at a certain point uh, in my early 40s, I decided I'm tired of hating myself. And I know that's kind of a you know, downer to say, but uh, I like figured out, all right, my my problem is really I don't like myself. And I need to do something about that because I, there's, you know, no good reason for that. So I started um, using uh, some written materials, books, um, a way through a self-esteem journey. I did some therapy, uh, listened to some podcasts about um, social confidence and self-confidence, and um, gradually started seeing uh, so many of the symptoms and issues that I was experiencing that they discussed where I kind of realized that, okay, I wasn't unique and it wasn't something that I was uniquely flawed. I just got myself caught in my own negative narrative. And so then I really began in earnest a process of, you know, self-therapy is kind of a way of putting it, using materials to uh, written materials and, and podcasts again uh, and, and again the dabbling of therapy to suddenly kind of break out of a, an ugly ugly uh, chain of um, of just self-talk and i started that before, and you know she had some problems that weren't exactly mine but it's just everyone has you know their battles to feel you know wage with self-esteem right but i had um made uh, i was about two and a half years in and you know there are a lot of reasons i wanted to do this um, not the least of which were those horrible dark moments that i'd have when we were doing like lifestyle events or cruises where things weren't going well and then i was just doom and gloom uh, a very very in a very unhappy place and i saw how sad it made my life and um, i decided i just didn't want that anymore and so I began that process and it was a slow emerging. It wasn't a sudden realization. It's brick by brick, step by step. Um, not so much rebuilding yourself, but tearing down these, these false statements and these false ideas you have where you're beginning to really embrace your positive and sort of unleash who you really are. And particularly the process of not trying to act how you think other people want you to act in order to... Um, get the best of them but literally just be your best possible self uh, and that'll separate the people who you should be with versus the people who you shouldn't mm -hmm. and then i shared a, a good deal of that with with my wife and she began her own journey as well and so you know with regard again to the lifestyle the lifestyle can bring out the very worst of those self-esteem issues uh, because you, if things don't go well all that stuff comes up and you blame yourself or or you blame other people or some combination of the two but it never ends well, and it doesn't end up in sexy time for anybody when that happens. And so she began her own journey, uh, some a couple of years, oh, more than a year after mine, and has been um, growing ever since. Um, and then, frankly, the turning point for us with regard to the um, aspect of um, really, 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 you know, taking joy with the lifestyle you're talking about, having another man pleasuring her in one fashion or another happened this last summer, which she can kind of tell you about her turning point. All right, Betty, the floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue there. I like this. Um, <laughs> so for me, I went out 
um, I went out with a friend, Brian was out of town and I went out with a girlfriend of mine and we went to a burlesque show and, you know, it, I was there supporting, you know, one of my friends who is a, she's just a wonderful burlesque performer and she's just absolutely dropped dead gorgeous and I wanted to go see her anyway. So uh, we're there and just having a good time. Oh yeah, I was getting back the the uh, generator from her cause she used it. Um, anyway, so I'm sitting at the bar there and just getting settled in. And I look across the room and there's one waiter serving the whole area. And he's got his shirt off and he's just stacked. He's just this beautiful black man. And I just was like drooling the whole time I saw him. And, you know, I just dismissed him right away going, you know, he could have anybody here. So he's not going to be into me, you know. And so I just dropped it, you know, although I would glance at him and just like, mm, my candy over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hi. <laughs> um. And he wasn't serving my area at all, but I got up to go get a drink myself and he was standing at the bar and I was waiting in line and he was just, he kept on making eye contact with me and I wasn't dressed like super sexy that night or anything. You know, I was just dressed kind of casual and he just was like, looking me up, giving me googly eyes. And I'm like, the fuck is going on here? And <laughs> <laughs> and finally he walks up to me and he's like oh damn girl you know he's like you are fucking sexy and he's giving me all these compliments and I'm like you know grinning from ear to ear and I'm like really okay I'm into it I can do this and uh he went about his business because he had to serve some drinks and you know I got my drink and sat down next to my friend and he comes over Again, he's not serving in the area, but he just comes over and starts laying these heavy compliments on me. Again, and my friend is there hearing this whole thing. You know, he's saying all the things in the book. And she, and she is sitting there just listening and going, wow, damn. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. And so he goes back about his business. And then I'm texting Brian. And I'm like, this guy is like hitting on me hard and i'm like i would totally fuck him tonight but you're out of town <laughs> <laughs> and he texts back he's like you have my full permission <laughs> and i was like okay well um nothing happened that night but he kept on coming around and my whole thing was i'm not waiting till three four in the morning till this guy gets off of mm. work you know but it was just such an eye-opening thing for me where it was like it's almost like I woke up out of this dream that's kind of how it felt like it just awakened me I guess and after that uh we were in the middle of our season anyway so we were driving back and forth uh these long drives to our shop back and forth and I found your podcast and I found Venus and I found Scarlet. So I was listening to a variety of podcasts to and from, you know, um, our shop area. And it just was clicking in my head, you know, all these interviews and things that 
everybody was talking about and empowerment yeah it was a lot of empowerment and just a lot of positivity and hearing the women's perspective was very powerful for me too because i was looking at things from like a swinger um you know point of view but then when you stop that and refocus into you know understanding that your man actually likes seeing you get pleasured by another guy whether or not he's involved that's okay mm-hmm. you know and so that for me was really powerful because brian had been talking about that for a long time and it just was not getting through in my brain but for some reason listening to these podcasts and maybe um maybe something somebody said something that really made sense to me you know um it just clicked all clicked in my brain it was like the pieces fell into place and then i was into it So thank you, Michael. <laughs> so w- would you say that since that moment, you haven't looked back? Like it's been just it, like no, full steam I ahead? Have, yeah. Actually, Splash was our first event that we went to when we met you there. That was our first um, first time there. But also, Brian and I had had a conversation like after a summer of listening to this podcast. And there were somewhere I'm like, Brian, you got to listen to these chime shops. episodes this is pretty awesome um but it would spur conversation between us and i just came out and i said you know honey after everything we've been through and the swinging environment and all the experiences we have had my best experiences have been with black men it's just you know there was no getting around that Mm -hmm. and so just admitting that out loud and admitting it to myself that was a big deal that's a big deal that was huge you know and ever since that moment that's when i haven't looked back and it's been full steam ahead ever since like on a bullet train (laughs) i remember how excited you were when you know we're you're like okay now that i'm kind of grasp this and and really embrace this i mean where can we go what can we do i'm like well i heard of this thing called splash mocha and so there's you might get there might be a lot of big dicks there you might get fucked i mean uh are you okay with that and you're like okay (laughs) (laughs) so did it uh you know since you bring it up did did splash live up to your expectations i had a good time yeah you know, um, met a lot of great people and I got involved with the Slut Sisters, um, which was a new experience for me too. And coming from, you know, playing roller derby where I was around all these women all the time, I wanted to find like a group of girls that I could just talk to and relate to and not feel alone where we could just be girls and you know, tell each other that our lipstick is crooked or, you know, your tag is sticking out or whatever, you know, talk about the guys or, you know, whatever. Um, I really enjoy that part of this environment too. Mm-hmm. And I found that at uh, Too Tall as well, there was a group of girls I was hanging with and it was just really nice to have that sisterhood. You know, so that's pretty powerful too. Now, community is strength. 
there may be some people listening who, when you said slush sisters, are like, wait a minute, what's that? So how would you explain, you know, uh, what the slut sisters are about? I would say it is a very welcoming group of women who accept you uh, for whatever sexual appetite you have. And it's okay. Like some girls are really heavy into anal and some girls aren't. And that's okay. We can all still be friends. Mm -hmm. We support each other, I guess, in our in our dirty little adventures. And it is about empowerment and, um, you know, whether or not you're stag and vixen or you're cuckold or you're just into BBC or whatever your thing is, it's okay. You're welcome. You know, and that is very powerful. So let me ask you this, because obviously I'm aware of, 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 of who the Slut Sisters are, but now yeah. you're, you're probably uh, the first guest that I've had on since they really shifted into another gear. So what I kind of want to ask you is, as a woman, how would you, how would you, I guess, stress just how important having a group of women like that is for you? For me, um, I really like it because I don't like to feel like I'm out there on my own in the dark feeling around going, well, I don't know what the hell I'm doing or what these girls are thinking. You know, like, I guess um, having that community and someone you can lean on or someone you can just go talk to, you know, um, that is something I really enjoy, you know, just to be accepted. Um, I don't know. Did I answer that? <laughs> oh no, I, no. There's there's no right or wrong answer. You know, it's 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 um, you know, it's what you feel and how it makes you feel. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to express how it made you feel. Um, so Brian, I want to ask you this question. You know, this is you know the love of your life. You know, your soulmate, your best friend. What did it feel like for you to see her, you know, I guess the culmination of this confidence that she was feeling in herself, this acceptance of her admitting, okay, this is what I like. This is the lane that I want to be in, combined with seeing her at an event like Splash Mocha. Like, what did that all mean from your perspective? <laughs> Joy, absolute joy. Um, I cheer wildly for her out loud and in my heart because I've always known her to be a powerful sexual creature uh, of of unique beauty and and power. Um, <laughs> and that that's not lip service. You know, it's uh, yeah, I, I say sweet nothings to her, which makes me want to makes her want to um well. We we have plenty of of couples jokes, but in any case, um, that is that isn't sweet nothings. This girl is a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. uh, she is an absolute machine sexually. That um, God knows there's, there's a reason. There's one one of the many reasons I I, I like. Need I need help. So uh, <laughs> you need if you're, if you're in <laughs> if you're in our area, please help. <laughs> He'll be flying the white flag. But um, 
I've long thought and and Nick mentioned of of her for uh, really realizing the sexual empowerment that I've always felt she deserved to have. Um, I saw in her this, and every now and again it would come out this this fire, this this passion, this energy that for the longest time she didn't um, embrace or allow herself. You wouldn't allow it. You wouldn't allow yourself to recognize it. I saw it. I'm a very intuitive person. I'm one of those weird people where if someone, if I'm sitting quietly in a room and someone walks in with a song stuck in their head, after five minutes, I tend to start humming it. It's it's weird where I do that, but I do that a lot. And um, in, in any rate, you know, I, I always sense that about her, where there was something that was in her that needed to get out, that that deserved to get out, that deserved to be acknowledged and cherished, and that she deserved to not feel any kind of guilt about, but to feel as a beautiful part of herself that, you know, she can really just relish and revel in. And so, um, you know, the reason that she even knew about the podcast, the Keys and Anklets and the uh, Venus Cuckoldress and so on, is because um, artfully, I introduced them to her, you know, you know, and in the best possible terms where I was talking about the sexual empowerment and the community and women supporting women and so on and so forth. Um, so it wasn't nefarious, but it, it, it was calculated mm-hmm. <laughs> because, nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, I, I felt that this was something she, this is, this was something she needed to hear. And I had long felt that particularly, you know, um, from the podcasts that were women-based, is that she needs to hear that there are other women out there like her and that she needs to give herself permission to embrace this part of herself. Uh, she had mentioned earlier that our her best uh, experiences were with Black men, and, and frankly, a lot of our best experiences have been with, with Black couples. Um, both of us, you know, find, you know... We like it. We're into it. We're, we're into it. You know, mm-hmm. it's... Um, black people, where we find them. Yeah, here I mean, I'm all com- I'm all comfortable saying it because here we are in the United States, right? But we we find them very attractive, and and so on and so forth. We have a lot of black friends, and right? Sure, and and there it is. His first boyfriend was black. First boyfriend was black, and then frankly, when we fuck people, it's typically not white Americans. The end. It's like it's like black, <laughs> it's like it's, it's like black folk and Europeans, and uh, and then uh, you know Latinas and so on. Other than that, you know, the uh, white white typical Americans are a hell no triple thumbs down, and I only have two thumbs. So that tells you, <laughs> that tells you how strongly we feel about it. Hey, man, we like what we like. It, well, exactly. And so, in any case, coming back to how I felt when I saw her, really, and it was just one of those things where it's like it was like a little step forward, a little step forward, and then a skip step, and then a skip step, and a jog, and then a run, and then a sprint, and then she's in a 69 Charger going 275 miles an hour. That's her. She is, like, really, really taking to this like a fish to water, where this is where she, it feels like this is where we should have been all along, and this is where she should have been all along. And I'll tell you, you know, we've done like swinger cruises and takeovers and things like that. Um, I found myself feeling absolutely more comfortable at Splash and Too Tall than I did at any of those events, any of those typical swinger events. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just thought. a it's a different vibe. It's a different community. You get a whole different energy. 
No, it 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 sounds like uh you guys definitely uh just soaked up all the the, the positive energy that was there. And we hope we brought some too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I saw that as soon as I was around you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Because we, we love giving as much as we as, as we get, you know, I never want to say we take anything, but if people want to, you know, share with us, that's wonderful. But we've always been very giving and we want to, you know, we love seeing people smile and we want to, you know, create circumstances where, you know, like, well, she and I say is like, you know, the best sex is sex where we bang it out like nasty pigs and afterward we're laughing like idiots and eating pizza. Pizza! Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, it, it, it sounds like you guys have, you know, if, if, you're, if you haven't hit it yet, it sounds like you're right on the cusp of hitting your stride. I would say that it sounds like you guys already have, but I don't know what you I feel. I think we have too. Um, We're getting. How comfortable does that feel? To, like the, the confidence that comes with, with that kind of acceptance of, okay, like I said earlier, this is the lane that I want to be in. I'm comfortable in this lane. I feel good about who I am when I'm in this lane. You know, like, what does that feel like to have hit your stride in this and to see what lies ahead of you, knowing that, you know, you, you, you're, you're much lighter than you were when you first started exploring this lifestyle, lighter in the sense of the burden that you both seem to carry with you. Uh, about a week and a half ago, um, Betty came to me and we were talking about this because we communicate a great deal and we had some great experiences. And she said that, holy shit, I wish we could have found this in our 20s or 30s. And I, I because it felt like this is where we should have been a long time ago. It feels great. Like it, I have no bad feelings about anything we've done or where we're going. Just excitement. Just, yeah, excitement, enjoy, pleasure. You know, Brian and I are very committed to each other. Like, I have no worries there about our relationship, nothing. Like, I got to have sex with another guy today, then he took me out to dinner. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> And and that was and that was her first solo play experience. With, yeah, he was her, at work. With her, with her, uh, your, I guess we'll call him your your regular BBC. Right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. So yeah. that's a lot of fun, and I enjoy that, you know, about Brian too, because he comes home and you know he wants it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's we're just having a lot of fun with it, and it's fantastic. No, that's that's definitely. I mean, anyone who spends even a couple of minutes around you guys, you know, you you exude fun. You know, um, I I observed that the, the 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 times that we were in each other's presence in Houston, you know, even if it was just downstairs in a restaurant, you know, like the two of you walk around and you you know you you, you give off this uh, this energy. That's that's really pleasant to be around. Um, one thing I did want to make sure that I do, um, and I, I, I haven't done this too often on my podcast, but I try to do it, uh, whenever I can. And that is you guys 
I have a, a business, you know, and you were kind enough to to send me some things. You, you know, I know you do like this this whole product line of all natural, uh, you know, soaps and lotions and 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 body wash and and just you know all kinds of of things that you that you sell. Why don't you take a minute or two just to kind of plug that? Because I want to help you know give you guys exposure. I know that you're already crazy busy, but you know, in this lifestyle, you know, obviously cleanliness is important in every walk of life. But in this lifestyle specifically, you know, our noses get a really good workout, you know. And <laughs> I know I've already received several compliments on, like, one of the lotions that I got from you guys. So in the interest of helping to spread the word, just take this minute to plug your business. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to get dirty unless you're already clean, right? And so uh, we, um, I guess we'll get, come right out and say it. Our website is soapmagic, S-O-A-P-M-A-G-I-C.com. And uh, we have been vending at Renaissance Festivals and online for the better part of 20-some years. Uh, we kind of came into our own a couple of years back, and particularly over the pandemic when the whole world went wild about washing your hands. And so now it's it's just a thing where um, during the summertime, July, August, September, if we're very, very lucky, we occasionally have time to eat and go to the bathroom. We are so busy. Um, we do soaps, lotions, potions, migraine relief, pain man relief, products. man products. That's <laughs> right for the beard and the mustache and stuff like that, and and deep resonating voice, or, or what passes for one. But we have we have a lot of fun. It's one of our uh, it's one of our joys. It's uh, given us this opportunity to have a lot of flexibility in our lives, being entirely self employed and um, busy, busy, busy with it. It's um, been quite a glorious deal. Um, Recently, the um, lovely Fix uh, and Betty has created stuff for anxiety relief and uh, for uh, body confidence. Uh, that's called Glamour, and the anxiety relief is called Anxiety, anxiety Relief. relief. Yeah. It's, it's really magical. It's, it, it's right. We got the good turn of phrase there. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, check out soapmagic.com if you, uh, you know, want to support a, a lifestyler, but also if you just want to smell really, really good and get um, super clean. <laughs> fantastic fantastic well i always try to be mindful of the time so before i i let you guys get out of here what i always try to uh you know ask couples to do is and you guys know because you you've been there is there are always couples listening who are still trying to find their way you know and they they, they may be out there struggling so and i want each of you to kind of take a turn at this what would your advice be to those people who are struggling, who are trying to figure out, you know, can we do this? Is this for us? Is it going to be worth it? You know, who are, who are going through all the doubts? What would your words of encouragement be for them? Communicate. Like, it, that is, like, the number one most important thing. Always be open. If you can't be honest with your spouse, then it's not going to work out very well. I don't think. Um, yeah, just be honest with your spouse and with yourself. It's okay to try new things and not like it. It's okay to say no if you try something and don't like it. I guess. 
that would be my advice. <laughs> All right. And Brian, how about you? What say you, my friend? After a lifetime of kind of struggling with some of the stuff that I, I have, I guess some of the advice I give, and this is always hard to take for someone who has um, not necessarily been the kindest to himself. But first, you know, embrace the idea that you're you're more beautiful than you believe you are. You always are. And two, it's worth it to take time to invest in yourself. And so if your your thoughts are as I'm not worthy or I'm not attractive enough or I'm not together enough or I'm not anything like this, um, understand that in many cases these are ugly statements that have been forged from a lifetime of reinforcement mainly coming from yourself and that it's worth it to take the time to work to undo those those bonds that are holding you back perhaps holding your spouse back or holding yourself back as a couple and really invest in in breaking free and also giving yourself permission to take time to do that because it's not going to be the wave of a magic wand undo 20 30 40 years of negative self-talk the um, negativity that you can carry with you can be the number one impediment to believing in yourself enough to allow yourself to let go and just take joy in the uh, in the lifestyle and for your spouse to be able to take joy in the lifestyle or the both of you and uh, everyone's story is different and everyone's story is unique but you have to give yourself permission to learn to love yourself and learn to take the time to really explore what you need to confront and then confront it. Um, sorry, sorry to get so deep on that. Oh, no, no, listen, this, this whole episode has been deep, so it, it fits, <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I'm very grateful uh, that the two of you were able to expose so much of yourselves in the figurative sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, but it's 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 why I enjoy doing this. It's why I don't have pre-written questions because each conversation kind of takes on a life of its own, and I want to let it breathe. You know, um, so you know, I want to say thank you for 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 coming in tonight and just being authentic, real, and raw about what this journey has been like. You know, for the two of you, because I know somewhere out there this is going to resonate with somebody somebody's going to listen to this and be like wow that's that's what i felt you know that's what i'm struggling with or that's what i struggled with you know and this conversation is going to make things come into focus you know for them and that's all i look for with these episodes that's all i ask for is let it resonate with one person any anything beyond one person is just the, the the cherry on top of the Sunday for me, as long as it resonates with one person who was struggling and trying to find their way in the dark, and all of a sudden this episode became a light switch for him. So I want to thank you both um, for, like I said, for coming on and just being authentic. Michael, thank you very much thank for you, having Michael. us. And uh, if the world does want to kind of follow our journey, because we're starting to catalog it a little bit at a time, and I mm -hmm. think the easiest way to, to follow that is uh, just look up the Vixen, is it underscore Betty, or is yep. it the yep. Vixen underscore Betty at Twitter, or on Twitter? Okay, so that would be uh, at, at Vixen underscore Betty. 
So that's V-I-X, at V-I-X-E-N underscore B-E-T-T-Y. Correct. No other numbers or hyphens or symbols or anything like that? Nope. No. Occas- occasionally nudes. So there's that. <laughs> uh, but, but give her a follow because we're, we're going to, we're, we're, we've talked about this enough where we're going to blog a bit and just catalog our journey because it's both going to serve as kind of like a diary for us to look back on. Mm-hmm. But also if we, if we can share anything that is going to be helpful to anyone we'd be happy to do it because we've spent enough of our lives struggling, trying to find our way that it's, there's no reason to keep what we've learned to ourselves. I mean, I always say this lifestyle needs more voices, you know, Mm -hmm. to to me, there'll never, there'll never be enough. You know, we need more voices with different perspectives and different experiences and, you know, everything like just more voices, you know? So uh, with everything being said, I want to thank you guys. Um, before I get out of here, I want to thank my Patreon supporters. You guys know how important you are to me. I wouldn't be able to do what I do if it were not for your continued support. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you all. Uh, to those of you who are not yet Patreon supporters, like I always say, maybe this would be the episode that will sway you. Maybe this would be the episode that makes you say, you know what? We like what this Michael C. guy is doing, and we want to see him continue doing it. So... Uh, With that being said, I am your host, Michael C. This has been another episode of the Keys and Anklets podcast, and I will see you when I see you. Peace. Peace.